Hey, Chris here. And I just want to jump in and let you know before we get in this episode that in my rush to get this episode out because of the due dates that were coming up for the proposed regulation changes for combustible dust in British Columbia, which is the topic of this episode, I put or my show outline throughout July 8th as the date. So in the episode, you're going to hear me talk a lot about July 8th coming up uh, in a week after it's been released. And actually the date that information is required, input and feedback is required into British Columbia is June 8th. <laughs> so if you're listening to this when it comes out on May 30th, you will know this because a week and a half later will be June 8th, not July 8th. But I just want to put a note in here before we get into the episode, instead of going back and re-recording the whole episode using the correct date, that when I say July 8th in this episode, what I really meant was June 8th. So I hope you enjoy the episode. I hope you find it helpful and useful for understanding combustible dust in British Columbia and that if you are listening, you're able to download the proposed regulations and provide public feedback, public input to the process by the due date that's coming up. Thanks. Welcome back to episode number 228 of the Dust Safety Science Podcast. This is a podcast for building a global community around process safety and industries handling combustible dust. I'm your show host, Dr. Chris Cloney. If you're paying enough attention, you will realize that this is actually coming out out of order. This week, you should be releasing episode 227 of the podcast, but we're releasing 228. That's because the material in this podcast episode is actually time sensitive, and there's only actually one week left to act on the material in this podcast episode if you're listening to it when it comes out live. And so the topic of this episode will be proposed regulation changes for combustible dust, and this will actually cover upcoming changes to part six, substance-specific requirements of the Occupational Health and Safety Regulation in British Columbia. We're going to talk about why these changes are being made, who will be impacted by the changes, what does the proposed regulation look like. We'll go through a couple of specific takeaways, and most importantly, how you can provide feedback and input to the process. So if you're listening to this live when it comes out, input is being accepted for these proposed changes up to July 8th, 2023. So this episode should be coming out May 30th, 2023. And so July 8th would be eight or nine days later after this point. So if you're listening to this live and you're interested in read the regulations, provide input, we'll go through how to do all that in this episode. You can go to the show notes at dustsafetyscience.com slash 228 for this podcast episode. And that will be at dustsafetyscience.com slash 228 not 227, even though that's what the episode number that's um, probably in the podcast player is showing. It'll be at 228. We'll have links to where you can download the PDF of the proposed regulations, how you can submit input, how you can involve, and we'll go through a bit of that here in a second. If you're listening to this in the future, then I'm hoping that this will, A, if the regulation hasn't come out yet, and it'll still take till probably 2024 to be um, full force. This will give you some context in what's coming up or what might be coming up in British Columbia. If you're listening to this even longer in the future after that, hopefully this will provide some context into what's there today. Um, so that's what we're going to be going through. So a couple of points here. Um, one, I'm going to try to avoid giving my opinions on this proposed regulation. That's not really the point. Um, it's to get this information out there and encourage you to review from your perspective, from the involvement and impact it might have on yourself and to provide feedback to the process. So if I do give any opinions, note that I'm trying not to sway anybody's points or to um, have you send that specific input or guidance in, just going through the material in a way it's best to try to provide that information for what's there for you today. So that's the first point. The second point is in terms of submitting feedback, 
We'll include a link to submit feedback in the show notes again at dustsavingscience.com slash 228. You can also just email your feedback to ohsregfeedback at worksafe.com or worksafebc.com rather. That's O-H-S-R-E-G feedback at worksafebc.com. And then also if you download the PDF of the proposed regulations and scroll down to the second page of the PDF where the uh, starting the material is, there's a yellow button in the top corner that says online feedback in the PDF document. So that's on page one, which is the second page because there's a cover sheet to it. And if you click on that, then that will bring you to this online portal as well to submit your public feedback that way. So there's three ways. You can email that email that I had listed out before, O-H-S, reg, feedback at worksafebc.com. You can go to our show notes at dustsavingscience.com slash 228 and click the link. Or if you download the PDF, and you should do this if you're going to provide feedback because that's what you're providing feedback on, there is a link on the second page highlighted in yellow. It says online feedback. That will take you to the feedback portal as well. And so the third and last point here is that we've put together a list of useful resources that might be helpful. Things covering general information about the public hearing and consultation process, all the links on how to download this current proposal that's out there, how the law, act, and regulations and policies are made for WorkSafe BC, the regulatory framework and overview of that. I believe that's a presentation or a slide deck that you can look at. And a place where you can sign up for updates from WorkSafe BC. If you choose regulation, guidelines, and policy updates, and monthly e-news, then this type of information will be sent to your email inbox as it's developed by WorkSafe BC as well. So I'll have that all listed in the show notes of this episode and links to all those various places as resources that you can learn more about what's going on with combustible dust in British Columbia. So let's jump into this current proposed regulation change and what it might mean. So the first point is, you know, why are these changes being made? And this really stems back to two large sawmill explosions that happened in British Columbia, but being forest products in Lakeland Mills back in 2012. And we've covered these on the podcast before. We covered it back in episode 97, Lessons Learned from Two British Columbia Sawmill Explosions in 2012 with David Murray. We also reviewed it again in episode 171, Open Challenges from Review of Babine Sawmill and Lakeland Mills Explosions with Steve Hunt as well. Um, so in those episodes, we gave a lot of background on those two explosion incidents. It's important to note that the you know, combustible dust, fires, and explosions are still an ongoing challenge in wood processing industries across the world, including British Columbia. And that's why some of these changes are being made to move this into regulatory framework for combustible dust. So I'm just going to actually read some of the introduction to this proposed regulation before I actually get into the regulation itself. It has a cover matter on this front page. Again, this is updates to part six substance-specific requirements of the OSH regulation, the OHS regulation, rather, in British Columbia. And so the introduction says, at present, the Occupational Health and Safety Regulation lacks a set of dedicated provisions targeting the management, health, and safety risks associated with combustible dust of the workplace. On September 1st, 2014, WorkSafe BC introduced three new policies listed below. These were policies on employer duties, on worker duties, and on supervisor duties for wood dust mitigation and control. These policies were introduced with a longer-term view of conducting a more holistic review of the occupational health and safety regulation and ultimately retiring these policies. The Policy Regulation and Research Department, PRRD, has prepared proposed amendments to Part 6 of 
the OHS regulations relating to combustible dust. The primary objective of this is to better assess the effectiveness of the current provisions and policies relating to managing combustible dust at the workplace, identify issues and gaps therein, and address those by way of regulatory amendments. And the last point they make here is that this proposed regulation is going to replace what was these policies that were released in 2014. So the kind of summary of that is we had the lumber mill explosions in 2012 in British Columbia. So follow up to that, WorkSafe BC introduced three new policies on duties around wood dust mitigation and control with the longer term view of conducting a more holistic review of this space. Now that holistic review has been completed and this proposed regulation is being released to, to replace those wood dust mitigation control policies that previously were sent out by WorkSafe BC. So that kind of gives you an idea of why these changes are being made, how long they've been in development, and what that means for replacing the current policies that exist today. To give kind of an overview of the policy framework in British Columbia, our team went through and compiled a number of notes. So there's really four layers to the BC regulatory framework. There's the Workers' Compensation Act of British Columbia. There's the regulations of that act. There's the policies of that act, and there's the guidelines of that act. So the Workers' Compensation Act of British Columbia provides the legal authority and framework for a number of things, but including under there is occupational health and safety provisions that are included in that act. And then these provisions, these individual regulations are part of the act themselves and are law within British Columbia. So that's sort of the first layer is of the act is the regulations. The second layer is the policies. So these policies are proposed interpretations of the regulations sections of the act. And then the last level is the guidelines. And these are additional and auxiliary information to be added in. Uh, if you think of it, it doesn't explicitly say this in this act, but if you think of it as shall and should, the regulations are the shall components of the act. And then the should is the guidelines and components. The policies provide some interpretation sort of in the middle between regulations and guidelines. So that's sort of the four layers, the act itself, the regulations, the policies, and the guidelines. So for example, these previous policies that have been released, policy 2-21-3, 2-22-2 and 2-23-3, employer duties, worker duties, and supervisor duties, respectively, for wood dust mitigation control. These were proposed interpretations of sections of the act that existed previously. And the part of the act that these sat under were general duties of employers, workers, and others. And so this is providing extension of the understanding or interpretation rather of employer duties, worker duties, supervisor duties, all around wood dust mitigation control. And these actually pointed to certain guideline documents themselves for the nuts and bolts of how to actually go about controlling and managing and mitigating combustible wood dust hazards in the workplace in British Columbia. So that's what existed before were these policies, this middle interpretation layer pointing to guidelines. This change itself then is actually moving up into the regulation space of the act, uh, a whole number of sections on combustible dust. And we're going to talk through those in this podcast episode. Let's try to give you a lay of the land on how the regulatory framework fits in. And I'm certainly not a lawyer. I'm just trying my best to interpret and more importantly, provide to you what uh, all this looks like. So when we do look at the regulations, the occupational health and safety regulations in British Columbia sit in the act itself. There are a number of sections. So there's definitions, application, rights and responsibilities, 
general conditions, chemical agents, and then substance-specific requirements. There's several other sections after this. So substance-specific requirements is where this new proposed regulation is sitting in. And in this section includes things like waste handling, biological agents, lead, silica, asbestos, cytotoxic drugs, a number of other things. They're adding in a section in there on the substance-specific requirements for combustible dust explicitly. And this section is called combustible dust, includes statements 6.133 through to 6.167. So a number of pages specifically on combustible dust are being added here uh, in the way of about 30 different statements that are going into the regulation side in the act. And again, I'm not a lawyer, but just trying to give you some of the background of how this stuff fits together so that we can get into what it actually means for you and industries handling combustible dust. There are some updates in addition to section six. There are some changes to part four, general conditions, and in particular, section 4.42 on the use of compressed air. I've read through this a couple of times and it seems like it's not adding or subtracting anything from the existing regulations for the use of compressed air, but they did reword some of that. And I think that's maybe to be consistent with what's seen in this new updates to section six. There are also changes to part 31 firefighting, which has a section now in added in that requires a written procedure to be established and followed by a fire department or industrial fire brigade when fires and other emergencies happen in industries that handle combustible dust or at sites that involve combustible dust. So that wasn't explicitly spelled out before, but now under the part of the act that covers firefighting, it states that there needs to be a written procedure for industrial fire brigades, so internal firefighting teams, and also the fire department for sites that can have fires and explosion incidents or emergency incidents that involve a combustible dust. So that's a new addition as well. If you're interested in that, if you download the PDF of the changes and go to the end of the actual changes, but before explanatory material, you'll see those couple of updates to part 31 and to the part four general conditions as well. Uh, but we're going to spend most of this podcast episode talking about the updates to part six, these substance-specific requirements. So before getting into the substance-specific requirements then, you know, why does this matter? You know, how is this going to change? Who's this going to change? And there's a couple of pieces to this. So one, now we have sort of an escalation of the rule of combustible dust within British Columbia legal system. It's moving from a policy pointing to guidelines up to an actual regulation as a legal part of the Workers' Compensation Act in British Columbia. What is the impact of this? It's kind of hard to decipher, again, because I'm not a lawyer. From my understanding, the policies are often used in, say, in, in, in a courtroom in order to provide some interpretation of the regulations themselves. So you want to make an argument one way or the other, you look at the policies and that provides you some stepping stone or initial step to understand the interpretation of the regulation or the act. Something that's at a higher level and part of the regulation itself is law in British Columbia. Something that work sites, um, owners and operators need to follow, businesses need to follow in British Columbia itself. So we're moving one to an escalation from policies on combustible dust up to an actual regulation on combustible dust that again, will point out to guideline documents and other things as well. But the part that's in the proposal here in part six will be law within British Columbia. So that's one point. The second point is that it's really moving a focus from just wood dust to any dust that is ignitable or deflagrable as identified in this proposed regulation. 
So there really is a movement from just combustible wood dust to rubbers and plastics and pharmaceuticals and foodstuffs and all the other type of stuff that we see on this podcast. From my understanding, or I best better to say my interpretation of reading this document, it's not solely related to only wood dust, where the policies that were released previously were only focused on wood dust. So altogether, I'd say this really impacts at least four different groups. You know, it impacts any company operating in British Columbia directly. It may impact them, you know, financially. It may impact them requiring risk assessments or dust testing or mitigation or controls in place. It should impact their level of risk and the overall safety. I mean, that's the intent of the document itself. So there will be an impact on companies, users, and operators in British Columbia. It should probably impact, you know, service providers, consultants, fire and explosion safety experts that were working out of British Columbia. This will give them a new, you know, set of guidelines, set of rules to follow when they're trying to understand, assess, and evaluate combustible dust hazards in the province. This will likely impact equipment providers, both those that are selling fire and explosion protection systems, but potentially also other, you know, equipment providers, OEMs that are selling other type systems may need to abide by some of the requirements made in this regulation as well. Again, that is probably open to interpretation and the policy and guideline documents haven't been developed for the regulation yet. So we'll see how those interpretations come down from Workstate BC. And then last, um, and probably not least really, is this could have a major impact across Canada as other provinces may also look to take a similar approach to combustible dust safety. It could be a model that's used elsewhere to extend and move up from guidelines to policies to regulations, the importance of protecting sites from combustible dust hazards. And so those are at least the four groups I see it could be impacted by this. The companies that are working in British Columbia, consultants and experts that are working in this space, equipment providers, both fire and explosion safety and otherwise, and other provinces in Canada and potentially in North America, uh, states and, and whatnot that may look to adopt similar strategies to handle combustible dust safety. So that gives some of the background on the why and you know the how of these proposed regulations. Let's dive into what's actually included in them. So the document if you download itself, the PDF document, is broken into two parts. We have the new or modified, but in this case, all the sections are new, proposed statements that will be included within part six. And this is a number of pages in the PDF. And then we have the explanatory notes. So this is some additional information. It provides some of the interpretation, some of the information and background on the statements that are made that going into regulatory document. They do point out to, in several places on where more policy and guideline documents will be created, in particular guideline documents, to support these regulations and the terms that are used in here. In terms of the proposed changes, there are, I think, four sections, but really kind of breaks down into two sections. There is identification, assessment, and management of combustible dust. That's sort of the one big section. And this gives you the framework on how to identify, assess, and manage and manage combustible dust hazards. And then there's three sections that are sort of grouped together, all under risk controls. So we have general risk controls, we have machinery and equipment, and we have fire and deflagration control. And that encompasses, again, these sections that are added from 6.1333 to 6.167 broken down again into identification, assessment, and management, which has this kind of framework. And then these risk controls, general, machinery, and equipment, and fire and deflagration control. So I do want to go through three takeaways from reading through these statements. 
Again, not trying to give any opinions here, and I want you to read it for yourself. Just talk about some interesting things come up. And we're not going to go into a lot of the risk control sections, as most of these are making sort of performance-based statements like, for example, section 6.147 on suspension controls as an employer must ensure that the concentration of combustible dust suspended in the air in a work area does not become a combustion hazard. Then if you read into the explanatory material, it states that guidelines will be provided by WorkSafe BC to give more context and background. So we see this sort of in the risk control section that it has some of these statements in there. And I want the listeners of the podcast to read through those themselves and make sure they're they're applicable for their scenarios. But I'm going to give three takeaways on other parts of the document, mostly on the front end and the um, framework that's proposed there for the identification, assessment, and management of combustible dust. And so the first takeaway is that the identification of ignitable and combustible dust is spelled out pretty specifically in terms of what is needed. So it states that an employer is required to assume that the dust is ignitable or deflectible unless proven otherwise. It does seem by the test that they're mentioning here that ignitable seems to mean flammable hazard, like a flaming hazard more than a deflagration hazard. It does require screening tests such as the UN flammability screening test or the standard kind of go, no go screening test you'd see in ASTM E1226 or E1515 to identify whether or not a dust is not ignitable or not a deflagration hazard and that these sections of the regulation would not apply. And then they do have statements on objective data and I'm going to read these out. In both cases, um, ignitable and deflagrable, it states that it can be excluded by considering objective data about the dust that is derived using a screening test referred to in the previous paragraphs and published by provincial, national, or international body or standard association. So this seems to suggest that you can't use textbook data to exclude combustible dust, but you may be able to, if you're using objective data, that is published by a provincial, national, or international body or standards organization. It's unclear, you know, what some of this might mean, but uh, I think if you, you know, if you pull out Dr. Rolf Eckhoff's textbook and took the data in the back, that this wouldn't be a provincial, national, or international body or standards association. It's unclear if like the justice database would apply here. It's unclear if, you know, maybe the province or the nation might be able to publish some of this data for use by standards that are leaning on this. It's kind of an interesting statement here, an interesting way to tackle objective data and its use. Um, so I want to highlight that as one of the takeaways. So that's spelled out a little bit differently than we've seen other standards. Some it's spelled in a similar way, but it probably takes a closer look at when you're providing your public input, this section on the identification of ignitable and combustible dust. The second thing I want to point to is the role of qualified person. And this term is extensively used in this regulation. So for example, in the statements about screening testing above, about um, the use of objective data, it says things like, um, determination for the purposes of using objective data must be made in consultation with a qualified person and based on information derived using one or more of the following methods and it spells out the methods. In many places, it requires a qualified person to be involved in making those decisions. And actually, in 28 pages of proposed regulation and explanatory material, the word qualified person or qualified persons is stated 54 times. And there is no definition of qualified person. If you look at the explanatory material, it does state, and I'll read this directly from the explanatory material, the role of qualified person is found throughout the proposed amendments, beginning at section 6.137 and will be integral to an employer's 
ability to manage the health and safety risks posed by combustible dust. For the purpose of these Part 6 amendments, it says that the existing definition qualified in Part 1 of the Occupational Health and Safety Regulation will apply, which I haven't gone and actually looked at that. But the second part of the statement is really the, the part that I want to lean on here. It says that the role of QP may be, may be fulfilled by different people for different requirements under the post amendments. And WorkSafe BC anticipates providing stakeholders with guidance information in resource external to proposed regulations such as Occupational Health and Safety Guideline or Combustible Dust Reference Manual or both, which will lead direction on the varying roles and responsibilities of qualified people across different sections of the post amendments. So there's sort of two pieces of this. One, qualified persons used in many different places in this proposed regulation, and it may be a different person. A person that's qualified to tell you your sampling requirements for combustible dust may be different than the person that's qualified to say if your explosion venting is, is sized correctly or do explosion venting calculations for you. And that may be different than the person that's required to do a risk assessment or identify the gaps in your management program. So use this term qualified person throughout this document, noting and in explanatory material explicitly states this, that qualified person may be different in different parts of this proposed regulation. So that's point number one. And then point number two is that there is a plan to provide guidelines or a combustible dust reference manual or both that will give some indication to industry on how a qualified person can be defined. So it's not solved yet, this qualified person thing. And, and we know we're, look, we're working in that in other standards and regulations that are out there as well, notably NFPA 652 and 660 as well. But it does say that WorkSafe BC will provide guidelines materials on how to determine give direction to the varying roles and responsibilities of qualified person in parts of these proposed amendments. So it's not solved in this document. It's not even attempted to be solved in this document. I don't think there's actually a definition of qualified person given here, but it does point to the general definition as in the Occupational Health and Safety Regulation, and then says that guidelines on identifying who is qualified will be given at a later date as part of separate documents. And again, at a guideline level, not at a regulation level. So that's the second takeaway. And the third takeaway is how the risk assessment and management process are broken into two pieces in this document. And so I'll read a bit through six, section 6.139. This is combustion risk assessment. It says that an employer who is required under previous sections to prepare combustible dust risk assessment for combustible dust must, and the previous sections are the identification of combustible dust. So if you have a combustible dust on site, either ignitable or deflagrable, then you're required to prepare a combustion risk assessment as soon as practicable to update the assessment whenever there's significant change in the following at the workplace, any rooms, buildings, structures, machinery, or equipment, or work processes. It also states that a combustion risk assessment for combustible dust must include identifying each combustion hazard for the dust, setting out the following information for each of these hazards, which include the level of combustion risk opposed by the hazard, any work processes or other factors that could increase the combustion risk posed by the hazard. And third, it requires that combustion risk assessment for combustible dust must be prepared and updated in consultation with a qualified person based on the following factors, physical characteristics of the dust, including a number of things, potential for dispersion, potential for confinement, potential for the presence of oxidants, competing dish sources, and other relevant factors. So this is sort of how the first piece of this is laid out. And again, it's called the combustion risk assessment. This is really like your hazard assessment. 
your analysis of what all the potential hazards are in rooms, in buildings, and in equipment or other structures. So yeah, it covers rooms, buildings, other structures, machinery, equipment, or work processes. And in the explanatory material for this, it states that WorkSafe BC anticipates providing stakeholders with educational and guidance information about conducting risk assessment in resource external to proposed regulations, such as an OHS guideline or a combustible dust reference manual. And again, uh, it's referenced now a couple of times in explanatory material, this combustible dust reference manual. This sounds like something that's likely going to be coming out from WorkSafe BC as a follow-on to this regulation and once it's released. So that's the piece covering, you know, the risk assessment side. Broken into a second piece then is what they call a combustible dust management program. So the combustible dust management program requires an employee, an employer rather, who is required under section 6.135. Again, this is ones that would have ignitable or defecable dust on site, must prepare a combustible dust management program. And this program must describe how the employer will implement controls required in section 6.145 to 6.167. So these are the controls on equipment um, and hazard controls that need to be put in place. Must specify additional controls that are necessary to minimize combustion risks and describe how those controls are to be implemented include a schedule and procedures for carrying out regular inspections of rooms, buildings, other structures, machinery, equipment, and work processes. It states that a combustible dust management program must be repaired and updated in consultation with a qualified person. And the employer must assign overall responsibility for administration of the combustible dust management program to a single individual who is the employer or an employee of the employer and is knowledgeable with the controls described in the program, the safe operation of machinery, or equipment. And that does go on to have sections on the review of this combustible dust management program, instructions and training, record keeping, availability of records before going into the actual um, hazard control parts itself. So it's kind of an interesting way to break this out where they have the hazard assessment specifically broken out from the management process. So in particular, they call these, again, the combustion risk assessment and the combustible dust management program as the two pieces to the framework for tackling combustible dust challenges. And so those are three takeaways I wanted to cover. There are a number of other takeaways that are included under you know, risk controls general. There's sections on competent ignition sources, oxygen control, suspension control, bulk storage, foreign substances, and more. Under the risk controls for machinery and equipment, it covers malfunctioning alarms, automatic shutdown, dust collection systems, pneumatic conveying, air material separators, centralized vacuum cleaning systems, enclosureless air material separators, air moving devices, ducting, and dryers. Then under risk controls for fire and deflagration control, it covers fire control, deflagration control, and anything after a fire or deflagration. So there's a number of these control sections, again, that have specific requirements. In large, these are generally performance-based requirements and the prescriptive sections are being left to either determined by the qualified person or to be provided in these guidance documents provided by WorkSafe BC at a later date and maybe potentially pointing out to NFPA resources or some other type of resource as well inside these guidance documents. It's important to note that NFPA I don't think is referenced anywhere in this proposed regulation, 
or any other standards that have been developed on combustible dust. So the statements, again, are, are really looking to be more performance-based and leaving the prescriptive half to other guidance documents out there. It is notable that there's several contributions here that I haven't seen in other standards, which are really nice to see. There's bulk storage and closures dust collectors are covered quite extensively. Dryers, and these are all things that are have been really researched in British Columbia by several groups we covered on the podcast before. And we're seeing those make their way into this guidance document. So that's really nice. It is also nice to see things being directly called out, like what to do after a fire and deflagration. I and mean, that requires that the employer has a written procedure for safely resuming operations after a fire deflagration involving combustible dust. And also when we already talked about this one, the actual response to a fire explosion incident requiring a written procedure for internal fire brigades and external fire brigades to respond to these fire and deflagrations as well. So that's sort of a, a review of what's inside this document. Again, it's hard to, on an audio podcast, give a really great in-depth description of what's in here, but I encourage you to go download the document yourself. In terms of next steps, public feedback, again, is open until July 8th, 2023. So this episode should be coming out May 30th. So if you're listening in the first couple of days, you have about one week to take a look at the document and provide some input. The committee that's working on this will then take that feedback and develop an updated draft. There'll be a public hearing later this year where people can provide more feedback in person. From understanding, these public hearings are now being held virtually as well. And then the input and the update draft will be updated again to make the final document. Um, this final document will then be sent to the province for approval. And barring any showstoppers or any major issues arising, we should see this regulation with all the public feedback in these two rounds included sometime in 2024 as coming out as regulation within British Columbia. So let's give you an idea of the next step. So public feedback next week, then sometime towards the end of this year, we'll have the public hearing with more feedback, developing into a final draft, and then moving into actually releasing this thing out as part of the Workers' Compensation Act in 2024. So that's it for this episode of the podcast. Again, if you go to the show notes at dustsafescience.com slash 228, we'll have links to where you can download all this material, including the proposed updates themselves, instructions on providing feedback, links on where you can provide feedback, some of the links on how the regulatory development framework is done in BC, how laws, acts, and regulations are treated, and more information like that. In this episode, we covered why these changes are being made, who will impact, what the pros regulation looks like. We talked through some specific takeaways, including the process used for hazard identification, both ignitable and deflagrable dust, uh, the role of qualified person, breaking apart the risk assessment and the risk management processes um, into two different pieces in this regulation and the framework side. We covered some of the specific controls, but again, there's a lot of sections in there. That's something we're going to leave to the audience to go review themselves and put input in on as well. So I think that's it. My last note would just be get involved, take a look, read through the document. It's not a, a long read, but if you see something in there that you like or dislike, that's going to impact the way that you work in a positive or negative way, I'd highly, highly encourage you to go about giving public input in this process, um, attending the hearing later on in the year if you want to give more input there as well, and to get involved in the making of this proposed regulation on combustible dust in British Columbia. As always, I want to say thank you for listening to the podcast. Hope you have a safe and productive week ahead. I appreciate everything you're doing. Industries handling combustible dust, making them safer with the work they do every day. Keep it up out there. 